Hi everyone, this is Mark with Speak Brave Podcast. Welcome to another session uh, that we have been working through the imagination and creativity with my trusted partner in crime and amazing friend, John. John! Good day, everybody. It's a pleasure to be with you, and of course, it's just a blessing to be with Mark. Well, thanks a lot. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to communicate with the community that we have been assembling and building. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in every week and for your wonderful feedback that I've been receiving over the last uh, few weeks. Um, It's just been incredible and I'm overwhelmed and I'm just humbled. Thank you, everyone. And keep doing it because this show is for you. This is uh, our interaction and we can learn together to become better. So thank you, John, and thank everyone. John, I want to continue on this journey. Just like last few weeks, we've been talking about imagination, creativity. I cannot still get over that game we played. Remember the Matthew game? The And what is it? Yes, and? Yes, I yes, mean, and. That you, was you played fun. that with me last week. Yes, yeah. and? Oh, oh, the, the week before, I don't remember which one was. It. I think it was the previous week. Um, John, today I'd like to start off with a personal story. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar uh, with that, with my background or not, but I was um, I was an average student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so was I. Okay, very, well, very average. You know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just who I was, and one of the strengths that I was blessed with was an incredible memory. Mm. Unfortunately, my memory is not so good now. But yeah, but certainly <laughs> it's not so bad either. You know, that's, there's some things I like to forget. And some things that you just... You can't forget. I cannot forget those. But but before, just maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, my memory was a lot sharper than it is now. And that coincided with the time I was in college and graduate school. And one of the things that I had to do is memorize a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a lot of rote. Yeah, you did what? The term rote. I like, what I like, is that? I like to th- throw r- words at you from time oh to time. Gosh, because English John, is just, what are you doing? There is a thing called rote memory. Tell me. Tell uh, me more. R-O-A-T. And all it is is that everything is based upon your having memorized the material. When we learned our multiplication tables. Okay. Okay. Learned, multiplication memorize, table. I got that. Okay. We memorize them by rote, as they call that. That well, term means to memorize in your mind. You so don't, it's a R-O-T-E? I believe it's actually R-O-A-T. But R-O-A-T. Don't ask me. Rote. Yeah. R-O-T. Rote does, memory. Does it mean something? Like, it uh, mean, does it, it like means a... memorizing on the basis not of any kind of a uh, chart or document or anything, okay. but learning it literally by memory. Uh, practicing it, repeating it over and again through the process of repetition until it becomes mm. second nature. Okay, so that, and by the way, that yeah. training in math still works for me today. Okay, oh, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to. I mean, you had to. You mm-hmm. had. There's some things you you have to learn by memorization. I mean, mm-hmm. Just That's right. one way. There's no way around it. But I realized that was my deficiency. Because you know what, John? Nobody told me. And it's not that I can blame anyone. It's just I didn't know better. You were given the opportunity. I never knew better that there's other more alternative and more sticky and more viable ways to learn ways to apply your creativity because I realized that just by memorization memory memory fades but the thinking process if it keeps if it kept sharp and engaged that can give you opportunity to come up with solutions that are novel yes and that's what was my mistake because I used to memorize text and text and text of information and do you think I remember any of it no probably not not. I don't remember any of it I would agree with you it would be the same with me so memorization, that was my method. 
when I sh now that I know that collaboration and mind mapping and finding creative solutions to problems, that is the ticket. That is. Have you ever had any problem with that? Like, have you, have you come across memorization that was, did you realize that was not the most efficient way to come up with uh, creative problem solving? John? Most often it becomes a problem when you're trying to quote or cite sources and you want to be able to give factual information to people. And because you really didn't take the trouble, you simply maybe read it or you heard it, but you didn't write it down and you didn't ponder it and think about it. You would want to use it because it would be a great tool to cite and refer to, but because you didn't do those preparation points, you're unable to recall them. And I know that when you do prepared speeches, you have a text, and that text gives you a lot of your clues. But a prepared speech is not something we get to do every day. But when you're talking about talking with people like a conversation we're having now mm -hmm. or speaking before a group on the spur of the moment and you want to cite useful and you know there's something back there in the back of your mind you want to cite a useful beneficial quote or piece of information or statistic or even a document and you have failed to do your preparation to the point that it becomes something that's second nature because you embraced it you mm -hmm. wrote it down mm -hmm. you there's something about so, the idea of... Oh, so you're talking about writing down. I yeah. Mean, that's well, one of me, your, this is one of your tools that you I, use? I found that okay. if I hear it, okay. I see it, and then I write it, uh -huh. it raises the retentiveness. Retentiveness. So does that mean that um, the idea touches your subconscious and it triggers um, a cascade of thinking, possibly, can, oh, oh, if you create yes. the environment, right? Yes, that's, yes. That's, that's the key because one of the uh, main themes for this episode is the environment. What is the environment that we can make that is physical, social, psychological, that enhances creativity? I would love to hear this. And there has been research, research that is really? evidence-based in the last few years huh. that actually um, highlights companies and cases that were when those environments are created and nurtured, it catapults the creativity. You know Pixar. I do. You know Pixar, the movie. Tren like, tremendously what, what, successful. Like Toy Story, right? And, and Shrek? No, no, that's Universal, I think. That's was? It. It was a, yeah. Well, Pixar is but, Disney, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But that's, Shrek, you know, we love Shrek too. Yeah, so yeah like Inside Out. All and, the people who cars. are listening from Disney will love you. Just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, my apologies to Disney, but Universal is just down the road. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so Pixar, Finding Nemo, mm -hmm. and Finding Dory. Now, right? Yeah. I mean, Disney, of course. Did you know that at Pixar, they have arrangements of furniture and they have toys. And, for example, one of the offices that they have, it's like a tiki hut. Tiki hut. Hmm. Can you imagine? So, it's not that. So, can you imagine creating all those beautiful pieces that resonate for generations in a plain, boring office? No. Not can you really. imagine that? No. No. So they have that would tiki. be a new thing. That would be a new thing. I had the virtue and a privilege to visit um, a game maker's office, and it's EA Tiburon. It's in Florida, and it's. Are you familiar with the games? Like I think it's NFL Madden, like a Madden. Well, line. obviously, I've seen the, uh, and the commercials about it, and also some of the video that they show of it, and it's uh, strikingly realistic. Yeah. NBA 2K, I think uh, one of those right. is a game, and they have an office tower. I think it's seven or eight floors and I had a chance to go in there for a business meeting I tell you John this was unlike any office I ever seen in my life tell me about it okay and I came in there to do a presentation and one of my standard presentation uniforms I call them is a suit 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like a three-piece suit or always a tie, you know, shirt, right. colored shirt, and then jacket and uh, pants, of course. When I come in there, no one is wearing a suit. All of the engineers that I see, software developed engineers, you know, mainly young, young people. And everyone, I see people in flip-flops, I see people in shorts, I see um, surfing boards, I see cutouts, I see characters from their games everywhere. And they have community rooms where they have food, coffee, cereal, snacks, all for free. And people just, and then I went to the bathroom and then people started looking at me because I, I, I looked, I stood you out. You were out of place. I was out of place. And I was probably the oldest <laughs> The oldest man there among the sea of Now, that's saying something when you're only 37 now. Well, I mean, of course. That's a weird feeling when you're 37 and you're the oldest man in the room. That's a little scary. Well, except some managers that I saw Uh hiding in in the corner offices. But that was the most incredible office I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Because because they make the games, the EA Tiburon, right? And this is one of the outfits. They They also have a couple other outlets. But that free flow, that unusual design and unusual decorations it gives you spark mm-hmm. gives you spark stimulates creativity it does it does it does so that's what i want to talk about i want to okay. talk about um have you ever read the book was it uh, the magic of tidying up no i can't say i have okay but you say the magic of tidying up, yes as yes, in yes. tidy up your house yeah tidy up your oh, house. okay um there's me there's you know there's a book that came out recently it says the daily rituals it's about how artists make their work Hmm. And it comes from um, Ernst Hemingway to Truman Capote to Agatha Christie, you know, authors, engineers, architects, uh, Frank Wright Lloyd. Frank Lloyd Wright, right. architect. And they all, but there's no um, one trick that you can do to create an environment to be creative. For example, some people get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They have coffee. Maybe they have a stiff drink. Maybe they have a breakfast. Maybe they have, they have something else before they get, get to work. Right. And some people actually start work at midnight or at 5 o'clock in the afternoon or noon or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So there is no one magic formula that you can create to be creative. But rather, you have to find what works for you. Yeah. You see, my mom... Is a very wise woman. I agree. Mom. I mean, all all mom, all mom, all moms, all moms are, are right, aren't they? I mean, you tell me about it, right, John? I agree. Okay, they are. One of the things that she, in her mind, she says, "Peace in your soul starts with a peace in your house." Hmm. This is what she tells me all. And she says, if your workspace is disorganized or clustered or it's it's oh. like on top of each other, that means your heart, your soul, is in disarray. Now, this works for her, and that is, there's magic in it, in, in make sure that your workspace fits your personality. What do you think about that? I, actually, I relate to it. Okay. I had a mother, very, very brilliant woman, right. but mom and dad, unlike a lot of people, in my particular time growing up in the 50s and 60s during those years as a child in elementary, growing up through junior high school and then high mm-hmm. school, that's what we knew them then mm-hmm. as, uh, mom and dad were out of the ordinary in that time because back then usually fathers worked mothers stayed at home took care of the children and were housewives and cooked the meals and washed the clothes but mom and dad coming from the depression years being born during and going into the depression years understood want they understood some degree of what poverty was like and so mom and dad had resolved when they had 
their two children, and they had them close together a year apart. I came in 50. My sister came a little later in 1951. Then uh, mom and dad resolved that they would both work. Okay. Mother automatically had an independent streak and did like to work. Uh, it wasn't that she couldn't cook or keep house, but she had grown up in a home because her mother was a single mother due to the fact that uh, my mother's father died two months before she was born. Obviously, she didn't choose to remarry and get a man in her life. Instead, she chose, or chose, excuse me. That's your take, grandmother. Now, my grandmother yep. chose mm-hmm. to take her family, her right. six kids, right, right, right. move to an area where she could find work, and she would do work, and then she would try to take care of these six kids and get other people to help. Mom saw this independentness and this working ethic in her mother. She copied it and emulated it. And when her and dad got married and then had the two children working with family members and other caregivers, mom and dad both worked. Yes. And mom had a regular, effective, consistent routine. working routine and work. The, the ritual. She was, mm-hmm. she was always counted on. She was very faithful in her attendance. Mm-hmm. Daddy was also the same way. They put down roots. They didn't keep looking for new jobs. They established a relationship and stayed there. Right. But it was a team effort because they pulled those resources where we were able to create for us a better life through having a home, through having better clothing, better mm-hmm. care, better food, better opportunities for doing things outside of the school and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, Mothers can do that, and my mother then also was very, very tidy when it came to making sure that there was organization in the That's home. Right. That's right. That way, we knew if we go into the kitchen and we're looking for something, it's either going to be there, or it's going to be there because it, it, it saves you time. Yes, it saves you time. Uh, I think when you have your workspace that is yours, whatever works for you, mm-hmm. however it may look, it it may look weird, it may look out of place for somebody else. It doesn't matter. What works is what works for you. Uh-huh. And that is your space because if you want to have the muse, you know, the muse that comes over and touches your shoulder and gives you inspiration to. <laughs> I know you're looking at me like this no, is I, like the first time you ever heard it. I never heard it expressed this way. But if you want to have the muse in your house, make sure you clean it up because she doesn't want to come and soil her robe. Wow. That's, that's new. The, that's the key. You got to keep it clean. Do you have you ever seen the movie but um, with Bradley Cooper called Limitless? I have to tell you, I have not. It's incredible. It's incredible for me because I am curious about the way of it's a sci-fi, I believe. But maybe mm-hmm. there's somebody who can create. There's a pill. Somebody takes the pill, and it activates more neural networks in their brain and they become amplified in their thinking ability in their observation ability so from whoever they was uh, let's say they didn't have that mental capacity but they take a pill and they become a genius someone who can see the patterns who can calculate quickly somebody who can learn the language just by listening in a distant conversation for a few minutes yeah that is the premise of the book excuse me premise of the film Limitless by Bradley Cooper. Now, this character, Bradley Cooper, he was uh, in a movie in the beginning. I don't want to give it away, but I'll just start off, and then you could watch it. I recommend it. It's funny, too. And it's a thriller. It's a good one. Uh, I think Robert De Niro in it as well. Oh, good actor. It's a good one. Uh, It's set in New York City. So Bradley Cooper, he's a struggling artist. He's a writer, and now he has down on his luck. He got advanced for his book, but he has a writer's block. He writer's block, and and he cannot get through it. And then he meets this other character, a gentleman who gives him a pill. Bradley Cooper takes the pill, and bam, in just one second, he sees connections that he never, ever seen before. Mm. And now he can connect quicker with everyone and just get through them. 
Now, when he takes the pill and he, when he now in his genius state, it only lasts for a few hours. It doesn't actually give you the full capacity. When he goes back into his house, he goes to his kitchen and he sees it's a pigsty. He sees dirty dishes. He sees dirty leftovers from food. And he just asks himself this question. How can anyone live like this? So he... Uh, rolls up his sleeves. Rolls up his sleeves, washes the dishes, cleans up the house and becomes work. That's was I will never I'll never forget that scene and that was from Limitless. So he tidied it up. He tidied up and that's I mean that's just a anecdote from pop culture but still it is but allows, very relevant. But then that allowed the muse to come. <laughs> the muse have come indeed because the muse would not have set foot in that place because they didn't want to soil their robe. Exactly. So he made room for the muse to come in exactly. so that the muse could do what it does best, tap him on the shoulder, put the idea there, give him the creative thinking. And at the same time, the muse could know that they wouldn't get their robes soiled because he had tied it up and gotten things ready in order to be ready to receive That's right. the creative uh, That's right. information. That's right. And I, there, like I said, there is uh, quite a large body of research that is available. I want to just um, point out to everyone who's listening a few reference points that you can study on okay. your own. There's a gentleman called Ivan Makintosh. He's talking about seven different spaces for work. And one of them, it's, let's start with the first one. It's called private space. Private space is where you do the work, where you just button down, or in your bunker, and you do the work. Mm-hmm. Second is a group space. Group space is where you collaborate with others, and you do your work, and sometimes you connect with others. Publishing space. Publishing space is when you, you, know, you create, you write, you code, you compose. Performance space. Performance space is the, you know, it's a platform. This is like a stage. Fifth is a participation space. This is a collaboration. Data, data space is where you keep the library of information. Could be web, could be company space. And then number seven, watching spaces. Watching spaces is where you watch others perform and do the work. So this is a different type um, of the way that you can think about your work. This is a great list. It is a great list. Uh, for example, there's one gentleman that I have been following. He said he just moved into a new home and he started... He created an office space in his basement, okay, mm-hmm. in the basement. And guess what? It was a big basement, beautiful, finished, but he didn't feel inspiration. So what he did, he changed his seat. He moved up to the hallway, but where he had natural light, and that worked for him. Mm-hmm. So whatever works for you in a space, think of it. Uh, what is the space that's going to create the most positive return on your investment for creativity? No. And keep fighting. Keep going. Remember Pixar. They have life-size statues of um, the buzz and uh, from characters from Toy Story. But it creates it, the it creates the energy. It creates the energy. That's the key. That's the energy. I think creativity, if you want to get into the flow of the collective unconscious yeah. that is produced by every individual on earth. I know this is not a theory that I have. Creative unconscious. This is where we draw yeah. upon inspiration. We've talked about creative unconscious. We did. Yes, yes, very much. And that is the pool, the ocean of knowledge that exists. And if you are skillful, you can grab into it and modify it and remake it and draw a source from it. It's energy, energy exchange. If I could draw down to the simplest yes. form of what you're talking about, creative space or creating a space that you can work in uh-huh. and you can perform these spaces for the private, the group, the publishing, the performance, the participation, the mm-hmm. data, and, of course, the watching. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the, the private space for just uh-huh. a minute mm-hmm. 
why do you, that explains why people like to rearrange their furniture. Exactly. Like uh, Feng Shui. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Feng Shui. I, I don't really understand the practice because no. I didn't have a chance to. But it does study. have. But it does have a practicality to it. That's right, it does. And thank you for bringing that up. So, rearrange your furniture that fits your mm-hmm. um, that fits your writing style mm-hmm. or your performing or your production style. You know yeah. Truman Capote. Yeah, He's I an certainly author. do. An author. Did Very. you Did you know that he was one of his ways that produce and to write as he was lying in bed. He called himself a horizontal, horizontal writer. Hmm. Isn't well, that isn't probably that, why he was overweight most of his life? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, is that is that? I don't true? mean to be denigrate Truman. Truman was somewhat on the portly side. Oh, was it? Yeah, not not obese, but okay. just you know, okay. he was a little bulkier. Well, that's the key. Well, I mean, you have to take care of yourself. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't just lay on the bed and call yourself a horizontal writer. I mean, for other followers of Truman Capote, which I mean, I think he's he was a brilliant writer, right? He was a brilliant writer, but he really only had one great work. Which was? In Cold Blood. In Cold Blood, was it? I never read Very it. Graphic is, is it good? Very graphic is novel. Is it a novel? Oh, it's it's a novel. And okay. it is one of the quintessential novels if you were to create a, a top 50 list of novels. Truman Capote would probably be up there among top 15 to top 10. Didn't he live in New York? And he did. didn't he have like the greatest party? Didn't he? No, like, he was a party guy. Well, remember um, the reason I, I remember this because Truman Capote was it like black and white party? Well, one of those like the greatest party in the world, like well, 50s we or 60s. It. Do you remember that? I do because when we had a Toastmasters conference a year and a half ago, yes, we had the Truman Capote thematic was it? element, and it was a black and yes, white yes, element. Yes, yes, yes. So he, okay, so horizontal rifle likes to party. You know what? To each his own. Go with it. Whatever Except is it your worked style for him. Whatever is your style, go with it. And it helped him to write a book that is among those that remains one of the most sought-after and recommended works of, of uh, writing that you can read. Okay. So that's about the spaces. Now, what about the environment? Mm-hmm. The environment, just like we saw in Bradley Cooper's Limitless, the environment. What is the psychological environment? What is the social, cultural oh, environment? It, that it. You know, universities. Universities create spaces for cross-pollination. That is why so much innovation happens there. But can we recreate it in companies? I think it can be recreated. Or Absolutely. Maybe nonprofit. There, there is a, even in a nonprofit, it can be created. That's right. I want to bring another source by Dr. Goran Ekwall. He is a Swedish researcher, mm-hmm. and he had identified ten dimensions or ten different attributes of a space that uh, anyone can think about in their organization. I see so them here. let's 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 go through them. Number one is challenge. Is your environment where you live or where you work, is it challenging for you, John? Do you think, is that something that stretches your imagination skills? Is that something that you're striving forward to? Is that a question? So that's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Is that a challenge for you? If it's not, can you make it? Can you make it a challenge? Uh Number two, freedom. Do you have the freedom to express your ideas? Mm -hmm. Do you have the freedom to be original? Do you have the freedom to be nonconformist? Can I jump in here for Go a second? Ahead. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'll just try to tell it to you on a quickie basis. I'm not mom's regular caregiver, but we mm-hmm. do bring mom down to stay with us from time to time. At the date of this recording, we're in the middle of a very, very hot summer in Florida, and I've had my mother down here with me almost three weeks, and she'll be getting ready to go back home. But in thinking about what you just said regarding freedom, mm-hmm. when mother is there, even though she has a significantly advanced stage of Alzheimer's, she still has the ability to hear something and to know if it sounds right or if it doesn't sound quite right to her, particularly if it involves her. 
And as you know, I am actively right now working on additional chapters for my book. Yes. yes. So Which I, I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sitting in the space that I have reserved now, which, let me point this out, it's not the space I want to use, but I've got Mama in the space that I would normally occupy. So I've sacrificed my space for her comfort and convenience, and in sacrificing it, I have placed myself in a tougher situation as far as my yes. creative and open thinking. And also, it limits my freedom. Mm-hmm. And my freedom is also limited by the fact that mom is going to interrupt and ask questions, and she's going to need help finding things. This is an Alzheimer's patient. So, I have to be careful when I'm writing. And yeah, I'm tapping on the table. Folks, if you if you hear this, that's me. That's my finger. And and we can see it registering on the uh, on the on what I call the microphone EKG. Anyway, you know what, uh, microphone, this, I think, John, I think you've been bitten by a bug, bug of creativity because we've been talking about this creativity for a few weeks. Yeah, but some days There's, I guess I just spew it more than I do other times. It depends upon which floodgate you open. I think, I think it's a space. I think it's a space that we inhabit because spaces create the uh, play of our lives. I feel limited in my freedom in the space. You are? I do right now simply because I'm not where I want to be. Okay, because so because of your mom, because yeah. of the mom visit. Now, when mom goes back, I'll be able to rotate it and okay. re- move it back to the organization and to the tidiness that I'm comfortable with. Well, John, let me offer you a challenge, or maybe not a challenge, but a possibility. Okay, I'll take the possibility so part. So this is, could be an opportunity. Yeah. This is an opportunity because because now you have misplaced your routine. Now, I know this have enhanced your creativity and this is how you work, but maybe, maybe this is just the spark that you needed to think creatively in a different venue. Maybe. Just think of it. Those, or so maybe if for you, ideas. That's right. So reframe the idea. Reframe yeah. the situation. So Don't put of, a negative on it. Don't put a negative because if, it's an, if you see a negative, do you have a problem for every solution or do you have a solution for every problem? That's the right answer. That's the right so, question. So... Reframe it. Mm-hmm. Reframe the question. Reframe the situation. What can I learn from this? Good. What can I distill from this? What can I do better in the future? Thank you, Mom, for coming. Thank you for displacing me from mm-hmm. this place because you have given me the freedom, the freedom to roam around and actually create something amazing, John. Ladies, ladies this is what I'm thinking. Are you hearing what this man has just said? He, I'm thinking, I mean, he has turned that. He's turned that frown upside down, uh, if I can use that phrase. But yeah, that, that's that's, that's what I'm so about. good. This is think about reframe because reframing is a tool of creating. Creativity, John. Uh-huh. Let's reframe our lives. Right? Let's let's not stop. Let's just be the best we can be. But we need tools. So let's go down the list that we uh-huh. have that Mr. Uh, Dr. Goran Equa have created okay. for us to think about how we can create a space and what we can think about that enhances, nurtures, and creates creativity. So okay. the first one was challenging. Next is the workplace challenging? Is the place challenging? Do we have freedom? Mm-hmm. Do, and now, third one is idea support. It's it relates to brainstorming. Like for example, when we mm-hmm. get together, do we defer judgment? Do we reserve judgment to make sure that we have a free flow of ideas? John, I always talk about this when I meet someone for coffee or for dinner or for mm-hmm. lunch. I I make a little joke. I say, okay, here we are. We're sitting across from each other. Do you see this table? Yes. This table, I'm gonna call the table of truth. Okay, this is a table, the pool of knowledge, and we contribute to this pool of knowledge, and this is our ideas generate. So, idea support. When I create an idea, when I say an idea, when somebody does, do we shut them down? 
how we continue. Think about that because every word you say will resonate in the other people's brains. So you have to be so careful. You cannot be responsible for mm -hmm. other people's reactions. You can only resp be responsible for who you are mm -hmm. and the mindset that you have. So create an environment or think about creating an environment that flourishes idea support. And it dovetails into the next one. That's right. Next one is trust. Do we have high trust or do we have low trust? Right. One of my favorite books of all times is Crucial Conversations. I recommend it. It's been in print for over, I don't know, a decade. It's by five authors. It is practical. It is tangible. It will change the way you communicate. One of the tenets of the book it talks about trust. For example, if you don't have trust, it's like it also ties into respect. If there's no respect, it, respect is like air. When you take it out of the room, everyone is searching for it. Yeah. And without respect, there's no trust. And it takes time to trust. Then dynamism. Dynamism is how dynamic are you? Are you enthusiastic? Are you low energy or are you high energy? Are your team members um, in high energy or low energy? And what can you do to, you know, to create more dynamic environment? Mm -hmm. Now, second, uh, sixth one is playfulness. When you create ideas and when you think about different um, creative solutions, do you play, are you playful? <laughs> yes, playful. That's what I'm talking about. Be you have the, the uh, be childlike, not childish. Be play playful because when you're playful, you allow different connections in your brain to tag together and collaborate. This is what this is what I'm thinking. Inside your brain, there's a party, and if you do playfulness, it's like a New Year's party. You allow your neurons to roam free, uh -huh. have a champagne party, and just connect together. I know I'm going a little bit off. No, but I like. But that. this is what it is. You 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 give yourself a permission now. Debate. Debate is, what is it, number seven? Mm, number yes. seven concern. Mm -hmm. And then there's conflict, which is actually ties together. Uh, I want to tell you a story from Bridgewater Associates. Bridgewater Associates is a financial company that is a hedge fund. It is located in Connecticut. Now, this is one of the most successful hedge funds in history. They have over $160 billion under management, and their profits exceed all the other uh, companies in their mm -hmm. industry. Now, the founder of this company is Ray Dalio. He's a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And everyone in the company can give him feedback on how he did. There's no ranks or there's titles and ranks, but he encourages people to have debate, conflict that is low. There's low conflict. But for example, he, he asks all the employees to give him grades and to grade each other on a scale from A to F. One of the emails that he let, let out, uh, everyone, is one of the analysts says, Ray, in the past meeting, you were miserable. You were a failure. I'm going to give you D minus. And instead of getting defensive, he encourages, he encourages people who, are, think, who have a dissenting opinions. And that is one of the secrets to the company's success. And actually, mm. you can download the 200 principles how to deal with yourself and to have moral configurations in your life. Now, this is a financial company. This script that they have created, which we, they deal with all the management right. decisions within yeah. themselves, has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do how you relate to yourself and to others. And, they, and to your space. And they encourage dissent. Dissent within the ranks. Do you understand? Yeah, and so therefore there's freedom in that position to be able to have risk 
taking. Risk taking, exactly. You allow for risk taking, which is number nine, uh, number nine attributes to think about. And finally, is idea time. Over and over, researchers who study creativity, they have evidence from the companies that in the business, in a creative business and financial hospitality, whatever it is, one thing that is lacking is idea time. When you're so busy achieving goals, going to sales, having meetings, you don't have time to reflect. One of my dear friends have told me last week, Mark, sometimes you just need to chill out and have a reminiscent time. Have a time of reminiscence because that is the muse time. That is the time that is the muse will come and visit you and give you the breakthrough you're looking for. I know we're going just a little bit over time and I want to invite everyone to tune in next time. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher Radio and on SoundCloud because we're going to continue this conversation on creativity. We're also going to talk about how to borrow, modify, steal ideas. Do you know that T.S. Eliot, he said that immature poets imitate, mature poets steal? And Einstein, he said, the secret to creativity is knowing how to hide your sources. So we're going to go deep into it. How can we cross-pollinate? And where can we get inspiration? So I'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much, too, Mark. Look forward to it.